Hello, folks. Welcome back to the show. Today, we have a two-part series. Um, and the reason for that is, is because the two guys talking, Tim Hoffman and myself, um, very passionate about the industry, as you know. So it went on for quite some time. So I had to cut it into two parts. But uh, I'm excited to bring it to you. So we talk about so many things. And, um, you know, this guy is a sixth-generation operator and he's now the vice president started on the floor so he's got so many angles on the industry and he really thinks deeply about it and that is something that's where i come from i think deeply about it because it's so much more it's a key factor in the economy it's uh essential to manufacture things locally in my opinion for multitude of reasons one being environmental um and i don't want to get too far down that rabbit hole but it just makes sense um so to get all these things to work, we talk about some stuff, which is employee engagement, um, the imperative need for innovation because the demographics are changing, have changed, and um, we need to innovate in so many ways. And that just doesn't mean technology. It could be other things too. Um, the agility of a small company. You know, these big companies are hard to move. They're big ships. Um, so the innovation and agility in a small company can change their world um, and the industry. So and it's also important and paramount for us to talk about the perspective, the, the view of the trades and manufacturing to my generation and younger, because we are the future and um, it's paramount. To, to, to understand how important it is. Um, so we get into that. It's exciting. And uh, wait, you know, I'm just, we're both very optimistic about the future. Uh, maybe that's a biased uh, opinion, but that's, that's okay. I think everybody in the world needs to hear that sometimes, but I can be negative too. But being positive in this context is healthy. So uh, without further delay, let's have a good chat with Tim. Hoffman. Thank you. Greg Sheldon here, your host of Metal Steel Manufacturing and Business Pro Podcast, where you learn everything about the metals and manufacturing industry that make your modern day life possible. Tim, thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it very much. Thank you for having me, Greg. You're welcome. And um, so you've been in the industry, we've talked before, and you've been in the industry most of your life, right? Yep. Yep. And uh, you're at Frank B. Clayton Sons. Yep. Right. Yep. And that's an old, old company. Wow. 125 years this year. Oh, my gosh. And I'll, I am the sixth generation. And if my sweetheart of a child decides <laughs> to be involved, she will be the seventh. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So that's interesting you say that. So are you, how, do you expose her to the business? I mean, she's pretty young, right? So she's pretty young. She's nine years old. Um, she is a budding entrepreneur though. My wife, we're actually funny. This is her. We're on vacation. This is her calculator oh. because she's got a bead business and she was trying to figure out the margin when she bundled a package together because she told me you can't sell you know, every individual price can't be totaled up that if it's a bundle, it's got to be a little bit cheaper. So she was figuring margins. And I said, Hey, that's awesome. Yeah, She could be in the worst things, right? Yeah, man, that is awesome. Well, I hope that continues. That's awesome. So, do I. so I'm, uh, I would say the, the company would probably never, it's, you know, our industry was 
male dominated for so long yeah. that uh, I think there was in 125 years, sometimes we get complacent. So yeah. I think it was, you know, I'm in the process of really trying to build it into something that A, she, if she would like to be involved, she would feel comfortable in being involved. And B, just to, you know, modernize it with the times. Yeah, man. Yeah. Kinda, I think we're we're all going through that, just learning about, and that's part of what this show's about, is like talking about the stories of generations and the people, but also all us older guys trying to figure out what, you know, not that we're old, but yeah. we're older in comparison, yeah, right? To them, right? Yeah. And just trying to figure out what is it we can do to attract a, a new generation, right, into it. And I have my beliefs, but it's not about me. It's about you today. So I'm curious, you know, what do you think uh, would, you know, I guess we're getting right into it. <laughs> I'm curious what you think a new generation would want to see in a company. Like, what's your feelings around that? Well, I think some of the obvious are that people are looking, feel valued, right? Yeah. That they want to feel a part of a, a mission. Mm-hmm. or a statement or a culture and all them things like i've heard you talk about before are big to build yeah at companies i think but i really do think it, it does come down to value like they want to feel a part and that's why it's important to, to to break down the mission to the each employee no matter where they they stand in that org chart yeah it's it's imperative that i think from the smallest person in an organization to the top that they actually know the goals for sure. Right. And that way, if they know the goals, they can they can be part of a, a decentralized chain of individuals that want to promote the the company forward or the organization forward. And I think the only way to do that is to make sure that every individual knows the, the mission yeah. and that it's simple. Right. It's simple. Exactly. Acronyms and, you know, ACT, DBT or whatever anybody wants to name gets confusing to the point where. Some people are just like, man, what do you want me to do? Like, yeah, man, I keep it simple with acronyms. I use one. It's the laugh out loud one. That's it. Yeah. Laugh out. Yeah. Because that's a big thing to write. And it's a good thing to laugh out loud. Right. If you're putting that in enough things that, you know, you're doing something right. My wife just started in a new, uh, well, I guess it's not a new job, a new company. And it's like lots of acronyms in there and different terminology. It's just, so it's like when you, when you, when you're, I think when you're developing things, for the company, it is important to think like, hey, how can we yeah. dial this down to the simplest thing that gets to the point and gets, you know, people where they need to be. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. For and sure. It's, I don't know, it's, I think it's, and it evolves, right? And it yeah. doesn't stop. Yeah. If you're if you're that's why when we talk, well, I'm sure we'll get into it, but it's like sustainability and the people are like, you know, well, where does that end? And I don't think it does either, right? That's oh, one I, of the things I agree. I think I think the mandates are a little nuts at this. Yeah. Point. However, well, that's the government for you, right? If, well, yeah. If they can find a way to make something nuts, they will. <laughs> yeah, man. The iron. They will. Right. They will. But, but, I don't know how the taxes are done in uh, Canada, but we like to joke in America. It's like the IRS is like, "Yo, it's money." It's like, "How much?" Well, we don't know, but if you don't pay it, you'll know. <laughs> We can't tell you how much you owe, but you have to figure that out, but make sure it's the right amount. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. It's That's horrible, funny. but it's funny. <laughs> Tragic. 
Yeah. Well, and that's, yeah. And I, I don't know if it's a strategy on their part or if it's complacency or, you know, just it's bureaucracy, right? Yeah. Like that's, I, I wrote in one of my essays, it's like, it's true. Like big companies and the government falls under that umbrella, just try to suck less than the next big company, right? There's not like, when you look at innovation, it doesn't come from this big cumbersome moving, you yeah. know, bureaucratic giant. It comes from a small company or a small organization of people that need to innovate to survive. That's right. And yep. that's that's where it all comes. So that's that's why you see the big companies buy up the innovative companies. So they can say they innovate, but they don't innovate. You know, maybe they steal a founder that innovated and yeah, he's on for a little bit and then they kick him out, but they just try to suck less than the other one. That's how <laughs> that's what I've noticed the big companies. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It becomes uh, an HR nightmare. Somebody uh said that to me about a, one of the giants in our industry and they said it's just impossible to get anything done because you it takes like and i've been i've done it myself where you know i went to magna i don't know if you're familiar with magna where they mm-hmm. the lighting division where i was you know i wanted to pitch them something that was kind of innovative and it's like trying to anyway the, the, it's just a behemoth and you can't change their direction right they just this is the way that we've done it and this is the way we're going to do it like so well, even look at some of the companies now that are generating tons of revenue right and like silicon valley is a great one where you have companies like open AI. these are all small footprints well, and big revenue i was just listening to a podcast about that where the yeah the small the the most productive groups are like who was it and uh andreessen no, no. Mark Andreessen. Mark Andreessen was talking about that, where he was saying, you know, the best companies are like four people. Well, there's no, there's no, I don't want to, but there's no crap to cut. Like you're, as like as you talk about bureaucracy, there's no, when you have four people. So the military is a great example, right? So if you look at the military's chain of command, the Navy really broke it down. The American Navy, that an individual can lead up to about six people. After six people, you kind of lose the ability to lead, right? Yeah. So the military broke it down that those six people then lead six people. Yeah. And those six people lead six people. So it's decentralized because you can't have yeah. this big, you know, like you're saying, it just doesn't move. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't move the right way. And and I think that those groups, one, they can be uh, agile, right? Yeah. So the smaller a company, you can you can. Um, the like a saying to steal from Paul Graham is like to run up steps, right? In business. So if you're being he, he likes the uh phrase like if you were being followed by a big uh bad guy, right? Like you run up the steps or down the steps. There's a good chance that the bad guy can run down the steps just as fast as you can. Yeah. But there's a good chance you can run up steps faster than the big guy. Yeah. Right. So and it's the go. same thing I think in business, right? There's a barrier that you can create is to take take something that's maybe um harder right more challenging mm-hmm. and go after that with a smaller group of people that's more agile mm-hmm. and can and can get over boundaries and obstacles quicker that the big, bigger companies they can't you know a bigger group of individuals can't do that yeah yeah the reason you say you know you're talking yeah pick that up to jerry to see if that's okay and jerry's got to kick that over to uh margaret and she's got to check on that and then we'll have a meeting we'll circle back yeah somebody i think uh what was it uh speaking of tech companies somebody just put on on a i don't know if it's 
they have it on Zoom, but maybe it's on Google Teams. You can put a calculator to how much the meeting costs now. Oh, really? So you can have the individuals in the meeting. So then it's in the bottom. It's like a running tally. We've been here 45 minutes. This thing costs five grand and we're here to work on a problem that, (laughs) you know, a $300 issue. Like, how do we solve? How do we solve this? Yeah, that's interesting. Wow. I didn't know that. That's cool. But that, that, because big companies understand what you were just saying that you got to cut through the. Yeah, yeah. And how do you do it? So, Tim, you're a smart guy. How do we, how does a company that wants to become large, sustainable, and stay, um, you know, that way that, you know, we can get things done quickly? Is that possible? Uh, Yeah. I think, I think AI is going to help companies do that uh, extremely well. So, we, for example, have a cloud based proprietary inventory system that we built in-house. Yeah. Houses our sheets, CRM. Um, it's all in-house. We're the only one with it. So now we're in the process of how do we use an AI bot to start quoting work, right? Because I like when people are like, oh, AI is going to take their jobs or this or that. That's all bullshit. Yes, it is. A person using AI and leveraging AI is going to take your job. That's right. 100%. So, the machine is not going to take your job. And I think we're finding out too. Um, I think people in our industry, especially, are scared, right? With robotic welding, uh, yeah. any kind of automated systems, are like, we're going to lose our jobs. I think it's clear that the white collar worker should be the one concerned, the marketing team. For sure, man. Our team, the lawyers, the team, accountants. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can go on uh, chat GPT and say, hey, you know, I want to sue my neighbor. <laughs> whose dog keeps like defecating on the sidewalk and that's like you don't need any kind of education that just yeah there's the letter like you know what i mean let's take yeah. somebody yeah man so, I, I agree 100 with that so i think that's the kind of thing i so i think if people who use tools right to utilize these tools to help leverage the, the smaller group of individuals and then with when you're scaling i think too um a lot of that comes like, you know, I think a lot of people, first thing they want to do is they want to start hiring people and then they want to start filling roles. I love to see these new companies will deal with. And I'm, who's this? So oh, this is the, I'm the director of uh, uh, purchasing and I'm going to put you on the phone with the director of uh, HR, who's going to put you in touch with the person that pays the bills. Meanwhile, I get the, the invoice or, or somebody pays and it's the same person I was talking to. There you go. It's like, you know, cut the crap, man. It's okay. Like you're a small company. Like you can be, you know, the founder and be the head of payroll because there's nobody else to do it. But but Charlie Munger, any businessman, uh, how do you or or who was a good one? Uh Frick, gentlemen, watch your cost, like Carnegie's right hand man. Like that is the key. Like small, small overhead, small group of individuals and big revenue. And I think people get lost in trying to build a, a company where they think, you know, if you were to say somebody like, hey, Greg, uh, how many people are in your company? And you say five. People immediately go, oh. Yeah. yeah. Right? But it's like we were just talking about AI or whoever, like four people, and they're like a billion dollar company. So it's like totally possible. Yeah. You can't look. I think you got to, one, it depends what you do. Um, like we, we service the food industry. Yeah. And we service construction. And yeah. we're we're basically a custom manufacturer, and we do anything in between. But yeah. like, there there's our main 
things, Tyson Foods, Dietz and Watson, which is like a purveyor of meats and cheeses in the uh, Northeast region. Um, and then a lot of construction. So it's like, what do I need to do to service those industries? What kind of team do I need to assemble? Well, I don't need a big, you know, 50 person team. A lot of construction jobs, there's already a set of drawings. Yeah. I, all I need somebody is to accept the drawings. Let's break them down. There's programs to help you. I mean, you go know, on Autodesk, they have 15 <laughs> programs up for the drawings, construction yeah. quotes, you name it. So I think, I think people need to one get out of the, the thought process of it for it to be good. It needs to be big, right? That's that's where they start. Um, and then I think some of it human nature, right? That so I don't think you can stop it all, right? Because people want to, you know, they want to feel important. You know, they want to they want to show off to the person next to them. I don't even know if it's show off, but what does it say about you know what is it? What is what you you acquire say about you, right? Fair enough. Not the, not the product itself, but what's that? And I think you know. So as long as we're stuck in that, maybe we don't get rid of it all. But yeah, yeah. Well, and I think I mean there always has to be the human element too, right? I, I'm pro-human, and it is. It's all about people. We got to be pro-human guys like us, man. <laughs> well, but I mean, but I mean, we're a dying breed. <laughs> that's right. But pro, like, I mean that in the way of like. <sighs> I don't want to get into all that. That's that's a whole other conversation about carbon and stuff. But pro-human is like, you know, being manufacturing and construction and all of this stuff that makes our world go around. And you said it like the AI is just going to enhance all of that. And it's going to give us all of us in the industry, like everybody from the floor up to the management, the ability to be creative. Right. Yeah. And it's less mundane things, less like repetitive tasks. So I'm really excited about that. You know? And that's that's a great point there that people I don't think point out is that, um, and this isn't a knock on a marketing, and this probably does come off as ignorant, but it's like there's like you want to cut stuff out of companies that really like you could probably sit there. And like I've talked with Jennifer Betts about stuff like this, where you have like, you know, um, you could just sit and plan out months ahead, all on with using like uh, an, an AI assistant or whatever. And it's just like you could be so far ahead of, of everybody. So then it's, it's, I don't, I mean, I don't know. It's just, I think it, like you said, it's the mundane tasks, like they're, they're gone, right? And it's, yeah, everybody gets scared of technology, and it's like you. We gave Henry Ford <laughs> a little. He got to keep a little bit of money, and he traded in your plow and a horse for a tractor. Like it's you know. So <laughs> did, we, did we lose some jobs on the farm? Yeah, of course. But new ones were created. Yeah, new ones were created, and that's what we do. We do innovate as a species, right? So yes. to your point, the human element. I think there's never going to be a point like you might take that might take a job. But I think it's going to open another job. That's right. And it's going to take a job that you won't probably don't want to do anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. So I saw uh, somewhere they were talking about uh, AI. They're going to use it in farming. And they're going to have, you know, uh, as the tractor goes over, it'll have like a little photo eye. And it'll be able to say, like, this plant needs some uh, maybe ammonia or whatever. And, it's, and shoots it with the fertilizer and keeps moving. Nobody wants to do that now. 
And now what we do instead of that is just crop dust the whole field with chemicals. So like maybe this might be beneficial. So exactly. Um less waste, less runoff and to tap water and all that, right? And more time to hang out with your friends and family. That's right. Is that That's... what the whole goal is? Well, it is. And you know what? I think it's so such interesting timing because COVID happened, right? And like a lot of people had time to reflect on their life, right? Like, yep. do I really want to be doing what I'm doing? I know that's what happened to me. And so getting workers is becoming harder because people are kind of, you know, being introspective about themselves. And this kind of came along at a time where we needed that, right? So if you're, I, I don't know where I'm going with that. I guess I'm just saying it's just interesting that how things work out if you're looking at it in the right way, which you are, right? You're being positive about it. So, but I think to your point there, it did put a lot of things in perspective, right? Like, and that goes back to that value. What do workers want? Like, how do you create an environment? I think that that was it. People realized, like, I don't find value in yeah. this or that. And I think it, it, you know, and not only did they, they, they leave for that, right? But they're also, we're running out of workers. And I don't think people are realistic about that. Yeah. And that, that comes like America has Canada. You guys are kicking ass with your immigration policy. <laughs> That's the one thing you're literally over there going, any smart people come here. If you're in America, your H1B visa is running out, come here, bring your family here. You know, yeah. where I think we, we need to realize um, everywhere. I think Europe's running out of workers. Well, everywhere. China is. China is. You can't get a cheap product out of China anymore. No. And that's what people don't realize. Frankly, I'm happy about that. And, you know, I don't know. I'm not afraid. I'm not a like anti other countries and all that or anything. I'm not a racist. I am pro my country, though. I'm pro. That's right. I'm pro (laughs) North America. I mean, I love America, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, My family migrated up from America, actually. So. Um, I it's got a soft I've got a soft spot for America, right? And you know, I want to be down there some at some point soon. Um, but yeah, I'm pro here. Like, and I what I see about the younger generations is that they're excited about local things because it makes sense. Instead of shipping things around the world, why not do it next door? I yeah. mean, and on the environmental front, you know, that makes a lot of sense, right? A lot a way, way cleaner product if you're not shipping it, you know, uh 6,000 miles from Europe or however many from China. My wife is in logistics and it is interesting. Like since COVID, you had that, what you talked about, the drop in workers. But I mean, there's been like a a complete cratering in that shipping industry from like coming over from uh, Asia. Really? And it's good to see that from all accounts and the stuff I talked to her about, it's all picking up in Mexico. Right, so you have high-end engineering out of Canada, states, and then Mexicans are picking up like big time on the manufacturing end, right? Yeah. So I think that's that's going to be interesting, and I think if you look at America, right, and when I say America, I, I'm kind of including the Americas is how I should put it, right? So yeah. Mexico, Canada, and the United States. And this is going to sound kind of like you said. I don't want it to sound anti-country, but it's we don't need the the other countries. Like whereas if you're if you're to so India, you can India has enough people, enough uh resources where they can do everything in house. They don't mm-hmm. need to trade with the rest of the world. And they've kind of shown that, right? They've been 
they never entered like any kind of big global agreements until recently. They really kind of sat back and mm-hmm. they, um, you know, they didn't uh, get into globalization and intermediate goods trade like everybody else did. And they kind of sat back and built their own thing. And I think America is in a unique position to do the same thing where we can partner with Canada and Mexico and really get everything we need here. Mm-hmm. And, and, and by doing that, I think one, if we're not like, in all honesty, and not even to get crazy about uh, politics or war or anything like that, most wars are re- resource wars. Right. And if, 100%. if, if we can start trading more with Canada Mexico and keeping it here, we can be energy independent mm-hmm. between Canada, Mexico, and the United States. We don't need oil outside, not at all, right? And we're trying to convert anyway. So I think it would be very beneficial. And I think too, it's I'm sure we'll get into it in the reshoring of manufacturing. People are like, well, I still haven't seen it yet, and the prices are still high. It's like, man, this just started. Like, if you're building a factory and it's not putting out a product, it's inflationary. Right. So in the meantime, as reshoring is happening, it'll be inflationary. Probably, in my opinion, you're going to see interest rates and inflation sticky for the next five years, 10 years, maybe. Yeah. I mean, there's no way around it. All the baby boomers are retiring. So the money's expensive. Mm -hmm. Right. They're not putting money back into the market. They're pulling liquidity out, which the cost of borrow money goes up. Yeah. So as, as they're borrowing money at a high rate, and then just trying to build out a manufacturing footprint that isn't there yet, right? Mm-hmm. The the people are there that want to buy the products and all, but the product isn't shipping yet. It's yeah. just inflationary up in the forefront. And yeah, man. So it's well, cool though. I think I think it like if you look, we're going back to not in a bad way, but the twenties, right? Where you're gonna see <laughs> yeah. uh, manufacturing in local areas. Well, yeah, I a hundred percent. I, I'm I like here's a big lofty goal is like I would like to see the Americas back to where they were at war oh, after World War II, right? Like yep. building every and I don't think that's impossible. I think that's Mm-mm. totally possible, totally realistic. And it sounds lofty at this point in time, but I mean the government's spending billions on infrastructure, which needs to happen, but that also puts more money into other companies that are providing those things, right? So yeah. It's just, it's. I think we're on a really good cycle. Really, I'm so excited for the future of our industry uh, going into the, you know, well, 2030 probably be where we'll really start to see into the 30s, right? What do you think? What do you What do you think's gonna? Do you see anything that's gonna be a big? Uh, I love when people talk about disruptors to the market or industry market there. In which, which, I mean AI, obviously, but. Um, I, I really think it's going to it's going to um, excel the whole um, like interface with customers and and to be able to, to create a product right as like as you'll be able to as these things get better I, I'm assuming here I shouldn't do that but I'm assuming you'll be able to basically like so your kids are young do they have phones well they they, they play on the them. phone they and all have, they don't have their own yet no but, but I'm saying they play on the phone and all. And you notice they interact with it like not like it's no but like they've never been taught but it's just like boom 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 and vocally right my kid is she picks this up she's like you know hey siri hey you know know. youtube that so there's so i think we're going to get to a point where i think it's going to be pretty cool to see yeah siri's and everybody's going off (laughs) 
but I think we're going to see where you can sit down with a customer and verbally talk out a product well, as it's being built and yeah, modeled in I front think of you. Brilliant. So right now there are audit, audit. I mean, there have been for a long time where they'll take notes, but AI can now take that transcript and condense it and do what you're saying, right? There's already ones out there. I couldn't tell you the name of it off the top of my head, but yeah, they're there. And then if that can be transported from there to, I'm a fan of SolidWorks myself, DeSalt's mm -hmm. products, but yeah, like we're already seeing, I'm glad you brought this up. We're already seeing, I watched a, a, a PowerPoint or something of somebody talking about um, 3D, uh, like voice to 3D. Mm -hmm. So I would imagine that's not too far off, right? So you're going to start building things through communicating with the software. Yeah. Like, how cool is that? That's awesome. So, so you, I think, I think you got a good point there. We'll build it right in front of the client and say, here it is. <laughs> well, that's our new thing. So we started doing that. We've been doing a couple um, construction jobs that have uh, called for, you know, the customer was like, oh, can you build this? And and they started asking for mock-ups. We're doing your I'm sure you're a hockey fan being a Canadian. Actually, I know that's a gross not. generalization. You're not? Actually, I'm not. It's probably a lacrosse guy then. <laughs> not really okay. a sport guy, actually. No, good. business guy, man. That's me. Good. You gotta be into something. Yeah. Um, but we're doing some work for the fly, and they wanted all these things mocked up. So they were like perforated um vent, you know, shelving units that go in all the lockers. And they wanted them mocked up, which is no problem. But instead of mocking up, we're like, well, check this out. And it's cool. So you sent, they sent the head project manager a text message with a link to a 3D model that he picks up. He's spinning the whole thing around. He shows them we don't have to mock up anything. So that's even just a way to do that. And then I think back what we were saying, so to come full circle, I think the human element is actually going to be enhanced because we're going to put away the keyboards. We're getting to that point where there's no keyboards. It's going to be, yeah. hey, Greg, check this out. And you're... and and talk about helping out with this, the the sales process, right? Like, because time always kills a deal in that regard. So if you could show them within half an hour or whatever, 15 minutes or instantly. What uh, my, my thing with it is now that I have to explain to some people, they're like, well, this is supposed to be black. I'm like, well, it's just, a model for you to see. We'll paint it black when it <laughs> when it comes time. <laughs> We're just showing you it's aluminum. That's why it's silver. Or yeah, you know, if it's black, you can't see it on the mop. But it's I really think them them tools, and then that's exciting to me. Yeah, to see where that goes. Because my kid doesn't pick up the phone and text. She picks up the phone and talks to text. Yeah, and I think that so that's definitely where we're going to be in an environment where everything's going to be communicated verbally. Yeah, man. Everything's going to be visual. Everything I just saw, I think it was on LinkedIn last week, a guy had a Stan Stanford, maybe? Kid in Stanford just uh, invented glasses that in real time translate the conversation for deaf people to read as it scrolls through the glasses. That's amazing. I mean, real time, so that you can have a conversation yeah. right there. They're saying it. There's no delay. You know, huh. There's no awkward interface. It's there. It looks like a pair of glasses. And it was just like scrolling on the inside. It's pretty cool, man. Yeah. As I said, uh, the one guy works. I think that guy's going back to school. I said, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> but like, how cool is that? That's so awesome. And like, it's just so exciting. 
I'm curious, since we're talking about technology, you see Miller has these like um, digital welding testing things. What do you mm-hmm. think about that? So I saw them uh, shout out the Diamond Tool. I was at my uh, friend of the salesman for Diamond Tool, and this has, has to be going back 10 years. And the owner of the, the company was so excited. Uh, and he was an older gentleman. I thought it was pretty cool. He was so excited that they bought these like, uh, you know, automated, uh, whatever you want to call them, uh, like a, a welding, fake welding machine. So the, the test and all. And it, at the time, I guess the technology wasn't there because I called up with him like six months later and he was like, oh, <laughs> doesn't seem to be work. Really, that's not the same thing. But I think that, um, listen, that's going to be great. But I don't know what what the what the field is like in Canada. But what I can say in America is that the kids are in school; they're getting certified with welding certs or yeah. whatever the certs are. They come out, and I'm going to be frank with you: they suck. Yeah, they can't <laughs> put they can't put anything together. Oops. They can't read uh, or read read a blueprint. I mean, they have you know they can weld two coupons together and. And that's it. And it's and it's so I really hope that if it's machines like that that Miller comes out with, if it's I think there needs to be a real a fabric um, course. Yeah. Yeah. I like into that. I mean, that's school in general, right? Like common sense stuff is like I'm not gonna say it's out the window because it was never there. Like even when I when when I went to school, there was no like, you know, classes that like balance checkbooks and stuff like that. And I no. think I think that kind of stuff is like, like we have gotten to like, so the kids come out of these schools, they think they should make $45 an hour. They can't weld in a real, in a real setting. Like if you were to say, all right, here's Greg's box. He shipped in all the parts. You need to put it together. Here's the print. I had guys come in for tests and they couldn't turn on the welding machine. Oh that was my welder used to just, he'd turn off the machine. Yeah. And turn the knobs and you go, all right, set it up. And they can't do it. So here they are graduating. So I think we really need to, I don't think them kind of machines, I mean, they're cool, but I don't think they're going to help. Yeah. We need, I think it starts getting people to stop thinking four-year degrees or where these kids need to be. Oh, yeah. Kids that need to be pushed in the direction. First off, if, if you're a kid, I wish somebody would have said to me in retrospect, hey, Tim, you're in the building stuff. Like, you know, because I'll be honest, I went to school, both tech was for like the guys that weren't going to make it. It was like, yeah. if you're if you're not in boat tech, Joey, you know, there's, yeah. you're going to be a, a street sweeper, you know. Yeah. So I think we need to get like it starts. Uh, so in high school, that the these counselors and stuff need to take kids that maybe are are. But yeah, it's not just like okay, and I've talked about this on other podcasts and with other people. Like, we need to start looking up or in line with the trades it's not like that's where you end up if you can't do anything else that's not what the that's not the message that needs to be sent Mm -mm. like these guys like us learn differently it doesn't mean we're stupid it just means we learn differently right and that seems to be where we go as the trades so yeah i agree with you the the guidance counselors need to chat it's become religious right it's become (laughs) a religious like if you don't have a four-year degree it's like you know, like what? What's wrong with you? Yeah, and I think that's like how many good, and how many kids that have strong, you know, maybe they ended up becoming an engineer, 
his life took him that way, but would have been benefited hugely from a high school pro curriculum that was like based on their desire to uh, build. I mean, what kind of engines we, we struggle now figure out, right? So when we talk about uh, electric vehicles and stuff like that, and we talk about batteries, we're trying to make like solid state lithium batteries now because we, we need a better battery. It's like, well, how many good people who were mechanically inclined did we push to end up becoming bankers? That could have <laughs> that yeah. could have could have solved this battery problem if we actually cared and said and instead said like no you need to go to school for four years yeah. so you can come out and have your job taken by AI because they're the kids that are going to lose their job for sure by man. AI not the kid that went to the welding school he's going to struggle right because he can't you know all he can do is weld a pipe that's already fixed to a jig yeah. but it's yeah I just there's got to be a revamping and I think that starts really uh one at home probably right and explaining the kids like there's nothing wrong with not going to college there's yeah. nothing wrong it's literally with... all at your fingertips right now like yeah I listen, you don't need it you, you can ask chat gpt for anything at this point right yep. and you'll get yeah you may not have a piece of paper but how valuable is that piece of paper at this point in time everybody has one I, I don't know uh, your experience in hiring. I always loved that, like, we would look at, like, uh, college degrees, basically. And I think my father always told me it was a good way to look at it. He's like, all that's showing to you is that they stuck it out. Well, that's true. Yes. There right? is the positive side. There, there is some value in that. But I'd rather have the value of Greg stuck it out and learned how to do X, Y, and Z sticking it out. Not Greg stuck it out. And now Greg's just like everybody else. Like that was the joke. I was graduating high school. I, I swear a third of the class had that communicate. They were all going to school for communication. Right. I'm like, what's, what are you going to do with that? And you know, the, it's been like, there was 10 different like fields, but it was just like, cause everybody, my guidance counselor, I ended up going to school for horticulture and landscape design with a turf grass emphasis because I was avoiding the family business. But it's like, you know, a real guidance counselor would have been like, dude, what are you doing? You have like <laughs> yeah. family, you know, what you need to do. But instead, they're like, go to Del Val. I'm like, I can't even. <laughs> it's not, it not a good mix. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you, man. But it was because they were promoting. I think that's like an ideology now. It yeah. is. Man. And it's also, you know, I've come to the point in my life where I believe there's a certain level of propaganda to make the banks, the governments, and all of the people in a top tier money. Mm -hmm. And oh, and that's part of it is they create these these uh, propaganda machines to tell the people, the general public public that you have to go to university. Yep. And yep. they all jump well, on they're all in cahoots. They're all right? in cahoots, man. Absolutely. They like are. I don't know if you've been catching what is happening. America just got rid of uh, affirmative action here. Okay. And it was so it was a, a race based college. So and it was race-based, so colleges would have to accept uh, minorities based on, you know, certain quotas they would have to fill out. And the Supreme Court ended it here. And when you get into the political side of it, I think, you know, that's not for this podcast. But what I, I do want to hit on is what you just said there, that the, the government... Right. People are like, how can they do this? You know, these places are private businesses and the government are telling them they can't do this. Talking about colleges. And it's like a joke because 
every college in America is like eats up federal funding. And it's like they have huge endowments they don't touch. They take tons of federal money mm-hmm. and people want to call them private institutions. I'm like, they're the furthest thing that's from right. a private in- institution. And that's, you know, that's a lot of, and so I think that's probably why college is like gone downhill to the point that, for example, I remember when I went to school, I had a principal, a vice principal, mm-hmm. a guidance counselor, and then the teachers. Yep. Now you go, there's this whole wedge of people in between. Is there? Yeah, it's like all, all these new positions that like, you know, and they're just filled with with salaries. So they, like you're, to your point, like it's just become this big bloated organization, which then again goes back to what we talked about, that, that that's not where innovation and that's not where new learning comes from. Yeah. Like we're learning such an like an antiquated style. Everybody sit down. Like we know now that we don't all learn no the same way. So why are we trying to sit everybody down and get them <laughs> to learn the same way? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's definitely an outdated system and, and everybody knows it, right? And but it's really convenient because of the system that we're in, right? They're not gonna that's what we love to say here in the States, like they're not gonna vote themselves out. No, you know. So that's what that's probably the biggest issue, right? Is how do you get it to change because the people in power don't want it to change. No, that's right. So that's hundred percent. So I think that the way that happens, I think, will probably be people in the industry that start to move where you'll see people. Hey, my boss doesn't have a college degree and he just got hired. Like, yeah, but he knows this. He knows this stuff, so it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think that'll slowly get things to move. And I think it, uh, the affirmative action decision here in the states, I think, was probably abrasive for a lot of people to see, and they wanted to throw their hands up, like, "Hey, like these people are, you know, whatever race." And it's not just it's not just African Americans here in America. It was all. I mean, that was the big lawsuit with Harvard was discriminating against Asian people. Yeah, it was like you could have the highest the highest score as an Asian kid. And still not get into it. Oh it was it was pretty bad. But yeah. I think that's actually going to be the start of maybe dismantling this system, right? It could, from from all accounts, it seems like you're gonna uh, they're gonna nix college scholarships for athletics, right? And legacy. And I think once you start there, it's gonna you're gonna see like, you know, that was like not the but that was a lot of the college's big draw was these athletic programs. What's gonna happen? Now you got the kids making money off their own uh, identities, which is great. Like yes. how many of these universities were just, especially in America, all the basketball teams, I'm sure kind of has something similar. It was just like the, these organizations were just like making like tons of revenue off these kids and they <laughs> kids weren't allowed to do anything. So then, which is cool though. Now cause my LinkedIn box is filled with, uh, I guess like not agents, but representatives for these kids trying to get a sponsor college uh athletes and stuff like this i'm like i'm i'm not there yet but thank you <laughs> but, but that's that, cool it's cool man to see them but i think that's what you'll see i think it'll start in, in the industry we'll have huh. to start the trend to yeah, that's really good. that's good get away from college yeah, yeah and yeah. not not in a detrimental because hey we need bankers and we do need people to figure oh, out yeah. how how the money is going to be spent and all but um i think it's just been over overdone to the point where mm-hmm it's become like a dogma that people don't think you're going to, you know, your life's going to fall apart if you don't get a four-year degree. And if, like I said, 
we we kicked it off and i even said the stereotype that i grew up with was like vote tech was for the kids that like weren't going to make it you know yeah. we're the kids that only want to go to school for four hours a day <laughs> that's for sure sometimes i didn't <laughs> no no <laughs> Oh man, no, it's, uh, and it's, but you know what, maybe we're going to be forced into having those small teams, right? Because of the population thing that's changing, right? It, it is, it's pretty it, scary. It may work out though, right? In the, in the long run. I think though, I think, I think, well, I think everything tends to work out. We seem to be um, well, that's the, that's good at that. The human part is that's the beauty, right? We're, we will prevail. Humans yeah. will always prevail, right? Yep. We'll figure it out. We'll find a way. And uh, thank God for that. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy about that. Cool, man. So what are some of the things happening at the company these days? What, what's, what are some challenges and some good things that are happening? So some good things are. Well, good things, I guess. Greg Sheldon here, your host of Metal Steel Manufacturing and Business Pro Podcast, where you learn everything about the metals and manufacturing industry that make your modern day life possible. 